This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no, please not again is a sentiment I believe it's fair to think that many of us here in southwest Florida thought and felt as it began to become clear that now Hurricane Adalia was making its way north toward the Gulf of Mexico and the Florida Peninsula. While not on the exact same track as Hurricane Ian last September, this is not the same storm. Adalia is coming from the same general direction, and this is resurfacing feelings of anxiousness and unease for many people. Later in the show, I'm going to to talk with the president and CEO of Salus Care in Fort Myers to discuss some ways to cope with these feelings, especially for people who were traumatized by Hurricane Ian, and stay focused on our mental health and well-being in a positive way. But first, we're going to get the very latest on Hurricane Adalia from Megan Borowski. She's a senior meteorologist with the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network in Gainesville. Megan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. So what is the latest on Hurricane Adalia as of the last update from the National Hurricane Center? So hot off the presses, we have the latest update that just came in. Winds have increased now. It is a strong Category 1 hurricane. It's now winds up to 90 miles an hour. Pressure is dropping, and it's accelerating. Now it's moving northward at about 15 miles an hour. So everything that we've been forecasting is starting to come to fruition here. Um, We are expecting Idalia to continue moving northward through the Gulf and intensify over the next uh, 12 to 18 hours as it moves over really the bathtub that is the Gulf of Mexico. Um, for southwest Florida, we will be susceptible to the outer bands tonight and in, uh, throughout the day tomorrow, and that means we'll have a risk for tornado spin-ups, especially closer to the, uh, Sarasota County. Um, that's what we really need to be on the lookout for. But on top of that, um, as the center does parallel the coast and move northward, We'll start to get those onshore winds when uh, the center moves north of our latitude. And uh, with that, we have to be worried about storm surge inundation. But I want to kind of echo what, what you introduced us with here is that this is not Ian. This is a dire situation for, for the panhandle, for the Big Bend. Um, and we will feel impacts here in southwest Florida. And it's, it's not, you know, this storm is not anything to take lightly. But at the same time, this is not going to be Ian. So, so don't freak out to, to that level about, um, you, you know, extreme impacts from that. We will have impacts, but it's not going to be Hurricane Ian for, for southwest Florida. At this point in its progress, what are the primary factors that determine where it's heading? In other words, what could cur- c- cause it to turn to the east? Right. So there's a couple of things. We've got uh, Hurricane Franklin over the Atlantic. Um, the other thing is, uh, winds in the mid and upper levels of the atmosphere. There's a little, a little trough. Um, really, in meteorology, we just look at ridges and troughs. There's a trough uh, in the higher latitudes near the Great Lakes, and um, once Idalia gets farther north into the Gulf of Mexico, it should get scooped up up by that trough, and then really accelerated through the Carolinas and, and nudged offshore. Unfortunately, closer to Bermuda, because Bermuda right now is. Uh, is dealing with Franklin being nearby. Um, so, you know, it's the trough mainly is the thing that's going to be steering this thing. Um, thankfully, uh, out of the panhandle, not soon after, or not, not too far after uh, it makes landfall tomorrow morning. Uh, last question, and it's kind of just a comment, and we only have about a minute and a half, but, you know, it's basically heading toward the panhandle, which is where Hurricane Michael made landfall back in 2018. Mm-hmm. So so the things that we're talking about later on this show as far as reviving old memories, that must be what's happening up there in the panhandle and near you. It's it's not going to be an exact bullseye like Michael was, and it, I don't believe at this point models are saying it's going to be as strong but yeah certainly i mean when you experience 
a traumatic event like that, seeing anything even approaching that that could have some sort of impact similar to to an event like that, um, you know, it, it triggers emotions and it triggers reactions. But right now, the main thing is to, to focus on staying safe. And I, I know that's very difficult to do and, and people don't want to evacuate. But if officials are telling you to, to do something, evacuate, um, and, you know, it, it's to save your life and property. So try to focus on, on that right now. I, I know it's difficult. Um, but, you know, something else is we're all in this together. And we're going to make it through. Uh, last question. When does that next update come out? Is it Are they four hours apart once it gets to this point? Three hours apart. Three hours apart. So we're at uh, the next update will be 5 o'clock Eastern. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. And we'll listen for you. Megan Borowski is a senior meteorologist with the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. Megan, thank you so much for your time and for all the work that you're doing to help keep our listeners up to speed on this storm. Thank you, Mike. Anytime. Stay safe. As I mentioned at the top of the show, many of us here in southwest Florida are feeling the weight of Hurricane Adalia as it resurfaces thoughts and feelings still relatively fresh inside of us because of Hurricane Ian's devastating impact last September. As we just heard from Megan Borowski, while Adalia is not following the exact same path as Hurricane Ian, it is coming from the same general direction. And while its current projected path has it passing alongside of us here in southwest Florida, we all know without a doubt that projected paths can change. Next up, we're checking in with the president and CEO of Salus Care in Fort Myers to talk about some ways to cope with these feelings, especially for people who were traumatized by Hurricane Ian, and stay focused on our mental health and well-being in a positive way. I talked with her earlier today. Let's hear that now. Stacy Cook is president and CEO of Salus Care in Fort Myers. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So where were you during Hurricane Ian, if you don't mind me asking? I was on site at our detoxification unit at Salus Care. I was uh, riding the storm out with the staff who were taking care of our patients. Were you guys directly impacted there or did it uh, change your operations at all? It changed our operations significantly. Actually, our crisis stabilization unit, which is equivalent to a psychiatric emergency room, was flooded. So we were unable to provide services at that particular location for 11 months. It's a different location than where I rode the storm out. But um, and we've got other facilities in Cape Coral, and it was flooded from the top down. So unfortunately, that facility has been down as we work with FEMA to obtain the funding for the repairs. Okay. I thought you guys were definitely impacted. Um, so what yes. did you think personally when you first learned about Adalia and its possible approach to us here in Southwest Florida? Because I know I felt like a kind of an oh, not again, disheartening feeling. That's exactly what I felt. Uh, I also felt a sense of why now? We haven't completely physically, emotionally, mentally recovered from the past 11 months and why now? We need much more recovery time. So I certainly felt some frustration, some anger and, uh, and some anxiety. Um, Hurricane Ian's impact, as we're all aware, was spread out on a spectrum. Some of us were just kind of inconvenienced, but many people were severely impacted and experienced truly traumatic things. Um, what should people who might still be recovering from Ian that were most severely impacted be thinking about and keeping in mind right now as they feel these feelings uh, being resurfaced by Adalia? What they should be doing is talking about these feelings. As human beings, many of us have this 
desire to squash feelings. Right now, it's important to talk about and allow whatever we might be experiencing, whether it's anxiety, grief, anger, frustration. We want to acknowledge these feelings. Acknowledging them helps to take some of the energy out of them, deflating them a little bit. What also is important is talking about them and getting support. Whether it's from a family member, a friend, or a professional, it's very important to be talking about them. Essentially, we don't want to inadvertently cap these feelings, but we wanna help to uncap them. They're very real. And for many people, they can become exacerbated as a result of some unresolved trauma from Hurricane Ian. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, you can, of course, talk to a, a medical professional, a mental health professional. But what we saw after Ian was a lot of neighborhoods coming together, neighbors helping neighbors, new friendships being formed. Um, would it be a good idea to just, you know, try to talk to your neighbors who you went through this with last year? It's a great idea to reach out to neighbors and reestablish that connection. And if you haven't had that kind of connection, there's no time like now to, if it's possible, to walk across the street, to walk next door and knock on the door and establish that connection. Oftentimes we, we feel a little reticent in doing this. It feels very forward, but everybody's in a position right now, or many people, I should say, where they're feeling very much the same. And so it's almost like this magnetic connection. When that door opens, we find that there are others that feel very much like we do and who are also ready to connect as well. So there's nothing like reaching out to the community or for some who are religious or faith-based, it's a good time to reach out to that particular organization. Oftentimes there's a telephone tree of folks that can offer support. Uh, there's also a family support line available for individuals who've experienced Ian and they can connect with other folks who have survived Michael and essentially talk, get some tools and coping strategies about how best to move forward and to get through this particular situation. What is the number for that or how can people find that information? Sure, I can provide the number. It's 888-850-Southwest Florida. And if in doubt, you can head to floridadisaster.gov and that will also provide some other essential information and phone numbers as well. Okay, and we'll link that on our website too if somebody's listening. They can just go there and it'll all be aggregated. Um, I know PTSD is a clinical term and so can't just be mm -hmm. applied broadly or haphazardly, but it's real and some people who were traumatized by Ian could be experiencing it, right? That's correct, they can. And what we like to, to tell people is it's, it's normal to experience grief and anxiety some depression, distress in general after a traumatic event. And a traumatic event is, again, it, it can be very individualized per individual, but in general, it's any event where someone may fear losing their life or being harmed. And this doesn't have to be directly experienced. It can be vicariously, it can be experienced by simply watching the news, hearing someone else's story. So 
what we like to tell people to do is if these symptoms, if these uncomfortable feelings are disrupting your work life, your home life for children, school life or behavior that's disrupting the day and your ability to go about your day and activities that you, as you typically would, then it's time to seek help. Sailors Care works with people who need help because of substance abuse. Would it be fair to say that drinking or drug use is a greater concern during times like these um, because of the feelings that people are trying to maybe hide from? Absolutely. It is a coping strategy, an, an unhealthy one. Um, and, and just as a reminder, Sailors Care provides substance abuse and mental health services. So we're able to work with individuals who may have a mental health concern, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and certainly for individuals who may have a substance use disorder as well. But to answer your question, yes, we strongly advise that folks engage in, in other healthy activities like, again, connecting with family, friends, neighbors, reaching out to a professional, looking back on the past and how we've coped in healthy ways and engaging those positive strength-based behaviors. But we really want to be careful about leaning into alcohol or substances, which can certainly exacerbate an existing problem or for some create a problem that can be very quickly come out of, become out of control. I mentioned the spectrum of Ian's effects on people, um, and I, I think it's fair to say that even if you weren't directly impacted by Ian in a way that really disrupted your life, you shouldn't think that you aren't allowed to have feelings of stress because, you know, even people who helped people who were harmed by Ian went through their own stress, and so you don't have to have had your house flooded out. You shouldn't feel silly about feeling not okay right now because of the thoughts that are brought back by Adalia. Is that a fair way to put it? It's a very fair way to put it. We have, as a community, we have been through a lot. If we look back a few years, we had the impacts of the pandemic with lockdown and uncertainty and lack of contact and communication and social connections. Then course, we had Ian, more uncertainty, more anxiety, more trauma. And, and here we are again, it is a compounding, if you will, of trauma. So certainly, whatever folks are feeling, it's absolutely one normal to feel discomfort, stress, anxiety. It, it's expected. This is, it's an awful lot. And, um, knowing that we've already been through so much, uh, this doesn't make it any easier, especially when so many of us have some unresolved mental, emotional, and even physical trauma for some uh, 11 months ago. So it really brings that all back and sort of exacerbates it, especially for folks who may already have a pre-existing uh, mental health, behavioral health, or substance use condition. This sort of trauma and stress can exacerbate or, or worsen those conditions for so many. One of the things that really stuck out for me during the response to Hurricane Ian, and I've been here since 2003, so I've covered a bunch of hurricanes over the years, is how in the forefront, relatively speaking, mental health was after Ian. Um, 
you know, it was talked about in a way that I don't think we heard people talk about during like Hurricane Charlie back in 2004. Do you think that's sort of evidence that on a societal level, we're getting more comfortable addressing mental health head on? I think we are getting more comfortable. I'm happy to to hear it discussed, as you said, a lot more. I think since the pandemic and all of the impacts, I mean, the CDC did a study a very brief one in the middle of the pandemic. And we saw mental health plummet. We we saw and experienced anxiety increase and depression to the tune of, of 40%, a 40% increase. That's huge. So yes, we're talking about it more. I think we're identifying it more readily, but I do think that we still have a ways to go. Stigma is still a very big part of substance abuse, and mental health, and particularly in folks um, self-identifying, seeking treatment. And so we need to continue to talk about it. We need folks to tell their stories. We need folks like you and I, who might have opportunity to be in the media, talk to the media, other folks who are in positions of power and authority and influence to also tell their story, to continue to tell their story and have others tell their story so that we can continue to do that work to shine that spotlight even brighter because we're only touching 40% of the population that needs to be identified and needs to get involved in help. That's a small number in comparison. And if we can identify, diagnose, and treat early on, we can, we can stop a condition from becoming chronic, similar to diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. All right. Well, that is unfortunately all the time we have. We'll have to have you back um, later on in the hurricane season, which hopefully will remain calm after <laughs> Adalia goes past us. But I want to thank my guest. Stacy Cook is president and CEO of Salus Care in Fort Myers. Stacy, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Mike, thank you so much. It was an honor. We're going to round out the show today by checking in with David Outerbridge. He's director of the UF IFAS Extension Office in Lee County. They, among many other things, work to pass along important information about how best to prepare for storms. David, welcome back to Gulf Coast Life. Good afternoon, Mike. Thanks for having me. So we talked with you on the show um, about ways to prepare back in June, right after the beginning of the hurricane season. And ideally, that's when people should have begun preparing. But not everyone does that, including myself to some degree. So right now... As Adalia kind of works its way past us, what should people be thinking? What are some last-minute things people should bear in mind in case it does turn? Well, I mean, having you know a few days' worth of food, um, three days' worth of food and water um, is a good start, um, and making sure you prep there. Anything in your yard that you're concerned about, whether there's overhanging trees or other things about uh, like that, just do a kind of a risk assessment of your immediate area. Um, and, you know, even if we're not directly in the path of Adalia, there always is the possibility of tornadoes and other things coming off the storm. So having a safe place in your house or where you're staying um, or where you're evacuating to um, to hunker down and ride out um, a tornado or heavy winds if you have to. I was thinking things like, you know, make sure your car is gassed up, um, you know, make sure that your devices are charged. Um, you mentioned bringing things yeah. in from the yard. Have a plan if you are going to go. Are these all things that you would you would highlight? Definitely. I mean, uh, having the devices so you have contact is huge. Um, but as we learned after Ian, that you know the the networks can go down. So what I 
I always say if it's last minute and, you know, make sure that you have food and water for a few days and you have somewhere safe to be so that you can, you know, ride out a few days um, if you're in a tough situation. Um, the Your car and other things like that, it's great to have it gassed up. Um, I know it can be stressful going to a gas station um, at this point. Um, and I know in Lee County, it's it's a challenge. But, you know, it, you can you can do that or you can wait it out and make sure that you have enough resources where you can survive and and um, work with the community around you. One thing that I was thinking, I just got back from a long road trip, and if you use Google Maps, it shows you where the traffic is worst in a way that's really clarifying. And I thought yeah. that's something that people should bear in mind if they are even going to run for gas. You know, pull that up and see where the red lines are and try to go somewhere else that's not there. Agreed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, but there may be some gas stations that are running out of gas. You never know. So make sure you look and see what gas stations still have gas. Um, and, you know, talk to your loved ones and, and the members in your community. And, and word of mouth is, is very helpful as well. And just checking in with everybody around you. Cause so you can see what their plans are. So you need, know who you need to help after the storm, possibly, or where you can ask for help. You know, we were chatting in the hall right before I talked to you about how, you know, because Adalia appears to be moving past us, this may feel like we're kind of overreacting, but because of what we went through during Ian, that kind of has to be our mental state now when a storm gets anywhere near us. Would you concur? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with being overprepared. Um, you know, the, that's not going to hurt us in the long run if we're overprepared for a storm. Because the, this storm season's long. We're early in, in the hurricane season. It lasts through November. And if you're prepared at the beginning of hurricane season or in an event like this, you get prepared and you may be ready for the next one. When we talked with you back in June, you uh, pointed out the hurricane preparation guide that UFI has puts out. Can you give people information on where to find that? It's a very comprehensive resource for all the things that you should be doing well ahead of a storm. Yeah, if you go on to Google or any other website um, and look up UF IFAS um, Disaster Prep, there's a great website, UF IFAS Disaster Preparation and Recovery, and it has loads of resources on what to do before a storm. Um, it has great infographics on what to do after a storm if there's damage to your property and things like that. Um, and pretty much everything you can think of in your home life, as well as if you're an ag or marine um, industries and other things like that as well. So it's it's got everything on there, as well as connections to a lot of other organizations. Okay, well, that is all the time we have, David. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. David Outerbridge is director of the UF IFAS Extension Office in Lee County. Uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with us, David. Hopefully we don't talk to you again before the end of season. Yeah, no worries, Mike. I hope you, um, you guys are safe through the storm and that everything goes well. Thanks also to our earlier guests. Stacy Cook is president and CEO of Salus Care in Fort Myers, and Megan Borowski is senior meteorologist with the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. Stay with WGCU throughout the day as we pass along the most current information about Hurricane Adalia as it makes its way north through the Gulf of Mexico. Or stay tuned to our website, WGCU.org, or our social media channels for storm information and links to resources like those mentioned during today's show. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Truly, our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.